You are listening to episode 103 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by my friend Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and dinosaurs, mutants, and Nephilim oh my in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So Ryan, this may be one of the most disappointing inflation deflation challenges we have done in some time. Not because the game was bad, but because of the technical difficulties. Man, we got two weeks in a row. It we might got not put on the ground and they kicked us while we were down yeah. with this one. Well, and then we kicked things on the ground too, and Roundhouse kicked them while we were unarmed. Right. And that was good stuff. So uh, this week we played some Blue Stinger. As I mentioned, a little disappointing. We got through, what, about 25 minutes or so playing the game, few areas, and the game froze and went to the main menu of the Dreamcast. So I've issued a return on eBay. So I'll get into that in just a moment here. But on this week's episode, we are going to talk about the 10 long-lasting PlayStation franchises that need a PS5 revival. Ryan, I hope you have it open because I didn't notate which ones they were. Although I, I liked every single one of them. Uh, Amazon Japan has sold out of Xbox Series X pre-orders and Series S for the second time. So that's pretty big news. Uh, and then we've got Nintendo isn't as smart as they should be by, uh, what is it, Michael Pachter, I think mm -hmm. is how you pronounce his name. So he says Nintendo should scrap the Switch and should only have the Switch Lite. To that, I say, uh, we'll talk about it in a moment. <laughs> okay. So as always, dude, let's get started with our recent pickups. I know you've got none. I've got one. You just know that I've got none. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. Well, we don't have notes either of us. So I did pick up Blue Stinger uh, this week, and I mentioned it last week that I was buying it. Literally while on the episode, I'm like, I bought it. It's a new pickup. Yeah. So I got it technically yesterday or a couple days ago, and was so stoked. I'm like, dude, we finally got this game. Loaded it up, no issues. I'm like, cool. So tested and working. Discs look great, and. We're in the middle of it, and it just goes back to the main menu. We should have known, because like you said you had it running, and then I got here. And then it didn't run. And then run. it wasn't running, and you yeah. were like, what's going on? Yeah, so then I opened it up, reset it, and it started. I'm like, all right, cool. It's definitely not my laser people. Um, I've played other games on Dreamcast on there and have had no issues. So, And even if it was my laser, it's kind of odd to just be like, bloop kick off and then go back for that one game mm -hmm. so and in a very similar area like we played yeah and then we restarted and we played and once we got up to that same area then it did it it kicked us out like right at the same spot yeah so it's totally the disc uh so yeah issuing a return so that being a recent pickup and that was purchased on ebay so for anybody out there that likes to purchase on ebay of course be wary about that uh always keep in mind that even if it says no returns. eBay does have a money back guarantee, so that would be a uh, item that is not as listed or not as described because it's tested and working. Well, clearly it was tested, but it's not working. Uh, so that's something that would be returned immediately. Luckily, if this seller, 30-day return policy, um, it was almost, it was actually instant. Like I just went in, put in, hey, the game doesn't work. Here's where it stops. Blah 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 blah, and then issued the return, and that was it. And like eBay immediately came back and said, print your label. So, like, I'd never honestly had that, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and then the seller went ahead and accepted afterwards, which was kind of odd because I've already printed out the label. So, that was weird. Um, but either way, so that's going to get returned. I'll likely pick up another copy because it is a game I've wanted to play in the past. And, and it's a game you thought you already had on lock. Yeah, exactly. So, it's like, Jesus, man, like, now I've got to 
pick up another copy of this. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, so be weary of that. And then, of course, how often would you say you have problems with like games, especially like loose disc games where you're getting it just shipped to you in a sleeve? Uh, I mean, this one was really well packaged. So this one in particular, he had like two. Actually, I've still got it here. Um, you can see here he's got two nice pieces of cardboard and he did it similar to a comic book where you tape the edges of it and that like on all four sides mm -hmm. and then you mash it in between and then that protects it from being bent or anything along those lines like it's still a a disc only so typically like i personally wouldn't have shipped it like that i would have taken because it's the same packaging that he used to ship it you would ship a dvd case so what i would you just get an empty old yeah. jewel case that's what i would i wouldn't do even a jewel case i would do a dvd case because it's a little thicker a little thicker and more flexible i feel than a jewel case uh, plus you have the risk of if the jewel case breaks and snaps, it could scratch the top of the disc. There's all sorts of things that could happen. So I will generally take a jewel case or not jewel case, a DVD case, stick the game in there, put some bubble wrap inside of it, seal it with some tape, and then I'll stick it into a case. And then of course tape that. And it's generally, I've never had any returns whenever I've sold anything by doing that. So that always works out. Uh, jewel cases are a little different. What I'll typically do is get a bigger bubble mailer and I'll stick it within a small box and I'll wrap something around the game in the small box for the jewel case, close the box, slip it into a bubble mailer and then ship it off. So you're doing like triple protection in that instance. So you always want to protect your stuff as much as you can. It's appreciated on both the, the you know, purchaser end as well as the fact that it saves your butt from any potential damage in shipping. So uh, this guy did a pretty decent job. I'd never seen it shipped out that way for a disc only. So that was interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it came in and didn't work so well and we return it and we get a new copy. That's so how it works. What are you going to do? Like, obviously, this didn't work as a replacement and you still have your original non-working one we tried last week. What do you do with a game that doesn't work once you get a replacement? You just chuck it? Uh, No, I mean, there's several things you could do. I could either chuck it or I could just sell it as broken on eBay. You just say, hey, it doesn't work. 50% off the normal price of a disc only. So for example, a disc only is 20 bucks. Uh, I would say $9. And if it doesn't sell for that $5, like it's, it is what it is. You get a couple bucks out of selling it. Like you could do that option. Cause I mean, it could be that the disc was, you know, too far down. It could just be that it has to be buffed. I mean, it's, it varies. Um, but there's people sell games all the time online of broken and, doesn't work and if you can figure it out you can figure it out so and there it, is and like a market for yeah there's a market. this is beyond what i want to put into it yeah exactly like i it doesn't work for me maybe it'll work for you it's a risk that and you you know tate is broken you say like look it's broken it's not working so if you want to buy it you want to give it a shot it's like say 75 percent off the normal rate you know like as long as you're open and honest about it and somebody's willing to give it that shot like kudos to them like i've bought broken super nintendo games i've bought broken gamecube games like stuff all the time online and it turns out it just need a little you know tlc and that was it yeah so oh man uh i think i told you a story about the shop owner i used to work for and how i got my super mario rpg for my brother mm, i don't remember that story tell the people okay i'll tell the people listen up people listen up people so i had so it starts with a deal i had with a guy at a pawn shop uh, where I used to live. And so this guy, whenever he would get new games in, he'd hold them aside for me. He would not put them out on the shelf. I came in every single day like, hey man, what do you got this week? You know, what are you selling? 
And what uh, are you, what are you buying? buying? So yeah, so like every week I'd go in or every day, and he'd have like new Wii U games for me. Like I would get these things dirt or cheap. I mean, we're talking GameCube games, Wii games, Wii U games, everything you could think of for like seventy five percent off the rate. Like he would say, "Yeah, it's already fifty percent off, but I'll give you an extra like twenty five percent off." Like it's crazy. Guy was just averse to making money. No, I even bought his collection, like his personal collection. He was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'm selling my collection. Like I'll." I'll you know, I'll sell it to you. And I'm like, okay, cool. So he came in the shop on it. Like, it was weird. He came in the shop and he's like, yeah, you know, I just want to kind of see what it's worth. I'm like, why would you bring it in the shop if you're going to sell it to me? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, you do realize that like now I technically can't buy this unless you walk out of here and we go meet later. Right. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, that make like, you don't do that at a pawn shop. Why would you do it at my game shop that I'm working at? So yeah, I used to get some good deals, but he picked up a massive Super Nintendo Nintendo collection. And I went in, and of course, the shop owner uh, who was retired at the time, uh, he ended up opening up a shop actually like that week. He had opened up a new shop and was buying supplies for his new shop. And he comes in and swoops in, and he bought like, I guess he saw Super Mario RPG, and he just bought that one game because he knew it was good. Didn't even see the other titles. And so I go and I buy all of them. The guy's like, oh, yeah, I had Super Mario RPG, and I sold that to, to so-and-so. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I got all the games, bought them super cheap, went to the other shop and I was joking at the other with the shop. And I'm like, man, I'm like, you scooped me on, on Mario RPG. He's like, I can't get it to work. So if you want it, he's like, how about this? $10 or, or no, he said, uh, $40. I'm like, man, I'm not buying a broken game for 40 bucks. He's like, what I'll was like going right back then about 40 bucks. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not buying it for that much. And he's like, all right, I'll tell you what. I was like, I'll give you 10 bucks since it doesn't work. And he's like, I'll tell you what, man. If you can get this game to work, $10. You get one shot. I'll give you like five minutes to fix it. $10. If it doesn't work, you got to buy it for 40 I'm like, all right, I'll take that deal. What? Yeah. So I was like, I'll take that deal. I could do that. So, I mean, I clean games all the time. So he didn't realize that there were other things you could do. And he wasn't aware of some of the tricks that we did within the shop to get older games to work. So given the supplies we had, he had he's a, just sitting there blowing in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, "Oh, I put rubbing alcohol. It didn't work." And I'm like, "Here, where's your your bit or whatever for it?" So I pop it open. I'm like, "All right, get me a small screwdriver." He's like, "Okay." So I get a small screwdriver. I see some rust on there. I'm like, "All right, this is what we're gonna do." I scrape off some of the rust. I clean it with a little bit of rubbing alcohol and some Windex. Get all that off. Um, didn't work initially. He had these. Uh, we had these sanding pads for the machines that would buff. So what you could do is you could wet that with a little bit of water or rubbing out. No, a little bit of rubbing alcohol is what we'd use. And I just go and I'm like sanding on the, on the pins, like mm-hmm. just getting them down. And it came out just black as can be mm-hmm. cleaned all that off, booted it back up, worked, handed him $10 said I'll see you later. And I walked out the shop. With profit. His, yeah. I was like profit. No, that one I ended up trading my brother. He had, uh, the GameCube Zelda games, the collection, I think the master collection. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was just like, look, you got that for like five bucks. I got this for 10 bucks. You want this. I want that here. Trade so we just geez. did a quick, yeah, we just traded. So it worked out, but yeah, dude, that was a long segment for John's recent pickups. So, uh, I'll jump right into what I'm currently playing and then we'll, we'll get into you on, Oh, you're not playing anything. Yes. I've been, uh, all of my free time this week has been consumed by reading through berserk. I got a manga reader on my iPad and every day when I get home, like, I know that I should be playing Persona. I'm going to start playing Persona this week. I'm giving Ryan that look, folks. Like, he knew immediately what was coming out of my mouth next. Hand of God, it's going to happen this week. I'm getting back into it. I'm running out of time. But, yeah, uh, for anybody out there who's a manga fan, 
I just started getting back into manga. Like, I've read a little bit in the past. I just... I have been wanting to watch anime, but it doesn't really fit with the time frame that I've been having. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to get into it through reading because I figure people always say the book's better than the movie. People say the manga's better than the anime. Why not just start there? And Berserk is blowing my mind good. I love the art. The story's really cool. It is pretty dark. If you're sensitive to some graphic content, you may want to steer, steer clear of it. But as far as I am concerned, it totally lives up to the hype. And it's going to be hard to pull myself away from it. Well, when you got to play Persona or get egg on your face at the end of the year oh, for not I beating it. it. Yeah. Okay, so currently playing for me, I am uh, still playing Jade Cocoon on the PS1, which, uh, needless to say, is interesting. Um, it's got like a Pokemon RPG type feeling going for it with Digimon, and uh, it's it's so flipping weird, dude. And it's hard. Like, it's actually pretty difficult right now at the very beginning, so I'm like grinding like you don't gain experience for your attack so far so you basically capture monsters to you're a cocoon master and there's like this some sort i wouldn't say plague but it's something that comes across the land and puts everybody asleep and you got got to get this like special herb to make this type of potion type thing or powder that'll wake everybody up so you're like this cocoon master trying to get this thing secured and by Cocoon Master, I mean you play a flute-type dealie similar to Zelda and make similar music sounds, and you capture monsters that are in there, and your level goes up as a capture rate. So, so far, my art, my HP hasn't gone up, nothing of that nature has gone up, only my capture rate, and I'm like level 5 capture rate. And then the monsters, when they kill other monsters, gain experience, but they don't gain experience unless you kill them. So you have to, like... To be able to get more money in the game, you have to capture monsters, merge them to make silk, and then you sell the silk to get money. And then you can use the money to buy things, like weapons and potions and everything else you get. Do you fight with the monsters? You do. So you can summon them one at a time to battle other monsters. And do they use the weapons? I don't think they have their own weapons. So they just, they do their so magic. So do you and participate in the fight as well? Yeah. So I... it's kind of like a monster warrior where you've like, and you, you fight with monsters alongside of you? No, not even alongside of you. You just summon the monster. They appear on screen as a lone combatant, and they go ahead and attack as normal. Mm -hmm. And then you can summon them out. You can switch monsters. It feels like a mix of Pokemon and like an art, like a standard RPG. So like, and it's turn based. So I can go through and attack monsters, summon my monsters to attack for me, and then I can, when they're weakened, capture them. And then utilizes monsters and evolve them by merging them together with other monsters to boost their stats. And, of course, boost their levels as well so they can battle with me. Mm. It's it's the weirdest thing, but it's a super short RPG. So I've wanted to play it for many years, as I mentioned How far know, last are week. You? I don't know, like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I just got the dragonfly key to go to dragonfly forest, I Wait, guess. You're an hour and a half in? Something like that, yeah. You sat down for like two 20-minute play sessions this I've been, week? Well, yeah, I've been sitting down for like 30 minutes here or there. Not not too much. Like, And then there's been a few times where I've picked it up and I'm like, cool, I'm going to play this. And then start falling asleep. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's what I've been playing there. Um, I've been playing a little bit of, well, I need to play Cameo still with my wife. We just have been so far from playing that. So many other things going on. Uh, and then yesterday I was going to play, but 
you know, it was the release of Borat's subsequent movie film, Delivery of Prodigious or yeah, Prodigious Bride to American Regime for Make Benefit of Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. That came out on Amazon Prime last night, and I had to watch that. I had no choice. Like I don't know if you're a Borat fan, Ryan, but It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I had to watch it. It you know, I like the first one. It this one wasn't as good, if I'm gonna give an honest review. It was okay. Uh I could see the funny components of it. Um, a lot of jokes that I wouldn't say a lot of jokes that came back from, uh, the older movie, but it's really making a lot of fun of like the current political nature and what's going on. It was done right at the very beginning of coronavirus too, which is interesting when it was initially done. So they had like Mike Pence giving a speech and he's like, Oh, we're at 15 cases. So, I mean, that tells you how early this movie was made. But Back when there was still hope in the world. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not going to get into too much detail and try to keep it PG here, but there's one scene I had to tell you about that I laughed so hard at where he was like, I need to go into a rally, and he's like, i got to get my uniform on. And I'll let you imagine what the uniform might have been when he ran into this rally. Did it have a red armband? It might have had a hood of sorts. Oh, okay, that kind of uniform. Yeah, so that was absolutely... He was, uh, he was- going uh halloween as a ghost yeah he was like i i need to i needed to figure out a way to get into the rally so i had to find a perfect disguise so nobody would suspect that i was any different and he goes running through i'm like oh my god that's hilarious it wasn't as good as the first one but like there's some funny stuff in there for sure that's sasha baron Cohen. oh my god so yeah check that out if you're if you're a borat fan uh but yeah, that's it for my currently playing. That's it for my current pickups. Ryan, I understand you have some trivia for me before we get into where people can find us and uh, another little secret article I didn't mention. So, go so on. So, John, and uh, everybody out there, if you know this, let us know on our social media. But let's see if John knows it first. John, Mira, the Shiba Inu, can be found secretly controlling things behind the scenes in this Easter egg ending to watch classic horror game. A Shiba Inu? Mm-hmm. In a classic horror game? And, mm-hmm. and what are they controlling? Uh, everything from behind the scenes. It's an Easter egg ending. Holy crap. What's console? Uh, PlayStation. Hmm. Horror game on PlayStation. PlayStation or PlayStation 2? That might close things up a little bit. Uh, I've actually never played this game. <laughs> a Shiba Inu. It's American release, I imagine. Yeah. Because if you give me on a Japanese release, I'm not going to know. I uh, mean, it's a Japanese-developed game. Oh, oh, it is a PlayStation 2. Oh, man. Um, They're controlling everything? Behind the scenes, secretly. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. Haunting Ground? Uh, Silent Hill 2. Oh, see, I haven't played the that The secret one yet. dog ending. I have not played Silent Hill 2. Yeah, Sadly Mira not. is a, a cute little Shiba Inu that pops up in many Silent Hill Easter egg endings. Well, damn. That's a good one. I know. I wasn't sure if you would know that one. I've been watching some uh, Super Eyepatch Wolf this week, and he's got a couple great videos, and he was really into Silent Hill 2, so I took that as my inspiration this week. People just realize I'm really bad at trivia to begin with, so um, that in combination of having not played Silent Hill 2, I think it's actually the only one I haven't played. I think we've both shown over the last few weeks that we're both pretty bad at trivia. Yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> you got my Nintendo one last week, and whatever else I'd mentioned afterwards. Uh, but as Ryan said, you can uh, let us know the answer if you of course already have heard the answer then 
tell us how bad I suck at trivia on Facebook at the Game Deflators, Instagram at the Game Deflators, and Twitter at Game Deflators because they don't like the. Mm-hmm. And of course, podcast applications everywhere. You can find us on Podcast Addict, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, now, our secret article here. Um, so our, our boys over at Grief Burrito tagged us in a little something the other day, and immediately I saw him like, Ryan, that's going to be a good topic this week. Uh, you know, I've wondered this topic. I've researched this topic. I've looked into this topic myself before. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't have even thought this was an issue but apparently it is it's baffling so uh at alex or at bang bang click alex hutchinson who is a uh creative director not for google stadia but for like a montreal game studio that was purchased by google stadia uh just clarifying that uh said streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they didn't or their streaming games they didn't pay for as well it's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. And then he follows that up by saying, the real truth is the streamers should be paying the developers and publishers of the games of the games they stream. They should be buying a license like any business and p- paying for the content they use. Sorry, stumbled on that. So, yeah, so basically saying, if you're out there streaming Fall Guys or you're out there streaming some like Last of Us 2 or some game, whatever it may be, he thinks that you should pay because you might benefit financially you should pay the developers and you should pay the major companies that publish these games to compensate them for the fact that you're using their content to benefit financially. To that, I say you're an idiot. Um, you know, at the end of the day, yes, I mean, this is my opinion on it. Yeah, you might own the content, you might have created it, but it's free advertising. And then on top of that, they're not necessarily benefiting financially because of your content per se. Because they benefit financially no matter what game they play. They're benefiting financially for their personalities, the content that they produce, the jokes they may have on screen, the gameplay that they're doing, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears that they put into actually creating the content. So, like, yeah, I understand it's your content, but they could be playing a board game, for God's sakes, and they're going to get the same type of fan base, and they're excited and looking forward to seeing their streamer, not the game they're playing, but the streamer that they follow play a game. Well, and there's also a huge difference between, like, if you're playing a game and you play some music in the background and you get flagged for copyright content ID on the music, well, every time you listen to a song, it's going to be the same. Every time you play a game, it's not going to be the same. It's an individual experience. Every time has, like, a little bit minor differences, like obviously there are some games where there is literally no difference, but those games, like, are few and far between and it's not usually the point of games for everybody to experience it all exactly the same way but you're absolutely right like the transformative nature of the streaming is the streamer and that's what people are there for like if people wanted to play the game they would go and buy and play the game themselves it's not why they go to twitch or youtube or wherever people are streaming these days yeah exactly and like i i get it like i can see both sides of it so like let's just say you had a let's play and it's literally just a walkthrough of you playing the game and telling people where to go and stuff and you benefit financially through the advertisements but at the end of the day that person bought the game and if it, and here's the other funny thing it's like somebody had mentioned on one of the threads like oh well they're not always purchasing the games okay well how'd they get the game for free they got it from the publisher developer who said 
hey, so-and-so, I want you to play this game because I Brand want it deal. all over to you. Yeah, exactly. Like, how dumb are you to make this, especially in that industry, like, how dumb are you to make that type of comments and not understand the cohesive relationship between streamers and developers and such nowadays? Like, Well, I'm sure that he's not alone. I'm sure there's a lot of greedy publishers out there that would love to get, you know, maybe not cut content creators off from being able to use it, but try to introduce that as their own source of revenue stream as well. Yeah. You know, and put out there like a, an EA tax. Well, yeah, exactly. So EA paint to it, play. It sucks. Cause pay that'll to watch. That'll probably end up happening down the road. What I could potentially see happening is if developers said, we're going to crack down on this cause it's our content. You'll, you'll of course have a big argument and everything. It'll be a crazy situation, but you know, say for example, the developers and content creators win on that, right? Or, the game content creators win in that type of argument. I could potentially see it to where we're cutting off all streamers except X, like having contracts like similar to Twitch and Facebook and all of that, where you have Twitch streamers making a ton of money specifically to play their games on X platform. So those, con you know, those companies are, are benefiting from the traffic they're getting. So I could see something like that happening where EA says, we're going to hire three people that are going to be our streamers. Well, you're not going to have the same type of, impact right because yeah, it becomes too curated at some point exactly so now you don't have that flexibility to say like there might be somebody that i like that has four thousand followers not a million subscribers and i really like the content they put out and what they play may push me to purchasing a game well and you can always switch to like a method of not making money directly from the content and making your money on the back end through like a Patreon or something. If you're making your money through Patreon, you can release whatever kind of content you want out there and whether it gets claimed or not, it doesn't really matter because you're not relying on that platform or that AdSense or whatever to generate that money for you when you've just got it working in the back. It depends on the contract component too, right? So it's like, hey, you're paying me to do X. So like you're paying me to maintain my equipment and you're paying me for the work that I do in my editing and all that. So like there's ways around that where it's like, no, nobody's paying me specifically for the game content I'm streaming. They're paying me for X, you know, like those are things that could be outlined, I think pretty clearly uh, at the end of the day to get around stuff like this. And before we, we go on to our first article here, which I hope you've loaded up those top I've got 10. It. Cool. I'll go through it. There's actually, if you look at it and this is where the streaming component comes in, right? There's a guy that has a, like literally a let's play on Amazon prime of breath of the wild. And like, it's on Amazon prime, like to be able to get on Amazon prime. I think you would have to Wait, benefit. Really? Yeah. There's straight up is it's huh. like a full blown let's play of, of breath of the wild. I saw it the other day huh. and it's free to Amazon prime users. Huh? Yeah, so there's huh. like 10 parts to it, I think. Amazon's getting into the game. Right? But here's the thing, though. Nintendo hasn't cracked down on that. Like, the guys probably, if it's free to Prime, there's probably some sort of financial benefit to be on Prime, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know. Nintendo's so weird. Like, back when I was looking at YouTube and stuff in the past, like, you hear so many horror stories about how much you know nintendo loves to crack down i mean we saw this just in our article last week and we've definitely covered it in the past but like there's some weird wall where some people kind of get through and get away with doing nintendo stuff and some people don't and i've never really understood that and like i've always been kind of hesitant to get into that kind of realm because it's like i don't know what advantages or what you know let's you, you know what some it is people slide through and some people not. I, I think after last week's article, it's because Nintendo is chasing adult entertainers and these have to be children's entertainers. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's <laughs> the market, right? So 
if his target market is younger younger kids, then yeah, makes sense, right? Well, uh, yeah, so that's it on stream. So let us know, of course, what your thoughts are on that. Um, again, that was uh, at Bang Bang Click was your initial thread on that. Oh, and by the way, to uh, before we go here, um, he ended up saying afterwards, I'm going to go ahead and stream some Fall Guys if, if anybody's interested. I'm go. like, I don't know if you're doing that. It's just if like, you can't beat them, join them. Right. I don't know if that was a joke by him just to be a dick or if that was a, yeah, I'm just going to stream and be in contradictory as to what was going on. Okay. Our first article here is uh, 10 long lost PlayStation franchises that need a PS5 revival by, uh, what is that? Nelia Soul White at Twinfinite. Actually, I think it's the first Twinfinite article we've done. So uh, I think we've done some Twinfinite stuff in the past. So I don't let, know. Let's start from the episodes. top. Let's start from the top. All right. So we got a list here. Uh, starting at the top, we've got Parasite Eve, a game that we've played a little bit of in the past, a game that I thought, I think I might have even given it our, my like favorite inflation deflation of the year. You did. Yeah. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, following that up, another game that we've played before, Parappa the Rapper. Yep. That was actually released on PS4 as well. So I'm not sure why it's... Needing a revival if it... Well, I guess it was the original. That would just be like a remake. We're talking... Yeah. Revival would be Full-blown, next insert into the generation, or... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Although, in the article, they do talk at the Parasite Eve, uh, giving it, like, the Final Fantasy VII remake kind of tre treatment, which I think would probably be pretty cool. Oh, I think so, too, man. Like, uh, that was... When I saw that initially in the list, I was like, for sure. Like, if Parasite Eve got a new game released or a remake... I would totally buy that. Uh, next up, we've got Sly Cooper. Yep. Uh, I love the Sly Cooper series. I got the uh, PS Vita pack that mm -hmm. has like all three of the games on it. I thought that that was a super fun game. And that one is on PlayStation 3. They have a, a pack on there, I believe. And uh, one of the cool things that's noted in this article is pointing out that the Ghost of Tsushima, so Sucker Punch, mm -hmm. who uh, makes that game, Put in a little bit of a teaser with that, you know, armor of Sly Cooper. Well, and so I got trophy. to looking at this like there they had like a full blown trailer for a Sly Cooper movie years ago, but I guess that was canceled back in like 2017. Really? That yeah, sucks because the Ratchet and Clank movie is so good. So I I think a Sly Cooper movie pretty cool. Uh, next up we have Resistance. Yes, we need more Resistance. Why that series has not had another entry, I'll never understand. It's so good. Well, there was Resistance Fall of Man spawned two sequels and a PS Vita release. So I guess it had a couple. I I remember playing the first one, and I just wasn't really impressed with it. I don't know what it was about it at the time. Maybe I was just, like, too big of a COD 2 and Halo 3 no, no, man. person it's, to get into it. It's uh, Medal of Honor with Aliens. Yeah. Next up, Warhawk slash Starhawk. I've heard of Warhawk. Never played any of these games. Not really been like outside of uh, some Rogue Squadron and some Star Fox. Not really been much for like pilot games. So I played Warhawk. I hadn't played Starhawk. Um, Warhawk was a lot of fun. It was. I think it was online only, if I recall. It might be. Might be uh, multiplayer locally. If it is, we can give it a shot in the future. But. You have your, your planes and whatnot, but you've also got ground combat as well. Mm. So that was pretty cool, being able to transition from different locations and, of course, play um, on the ground. I think if that was released today, it would be a pretty pretty good title. Like, it, they'd have a lot of play, I feel. Next up, Patapon. Why? Like, 
Patapon was an interesting. I tried to get into Patapon. It was hard for me because I guess I just don't got that rhythm. What was it like? Pata, 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 pon. Like, yep. yeah, I, no. I played on PSP. I wasn't a fan. Yeah, it's cute. It's, it's all right. And last on the list, or no, not last on the list. Uh, next on the list, Twisted Metal. Definitely. Give me some, give me some like high res, freaking ray traced, sweet tooth blowing up somebody. Yeah. I mean, they, they redid it or they had a reboot that came out on a PS3, obviously numerous years ago. And was it that just, black? Twisted Metal Black? No, it was just Twisted Metal. They did a reboot mm. of some sort, and I have it. We can play it at some point, but uh, I don't know. It just didn't pick up the way it should have. Twisted Metal Black was on PS2. Mm. Yeah. Continue, continue. Uh, <laughs> PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. <laughs> so I've seen some stuff recently on different pages from people that uh, are interested in seeing a PlayStation Battle Royale on the PS5, and there's enough characters to to really do something about it, but the problem is is always going to be in the shadow of Smash Bros. Always. It's always going to be compared to that, no matter what. And the only way to get it remotely close to that type of hype is to essentially copy Smash Bros. Because, like, I mean, Smash Bros. is the peak of that type of game, no matter what, that Battle Royale-style game with characters. Well, and there's some new uh, interesting characters that you'd be able to throw in there. You could throw Jin mm-hmm. into the mix. Yep. You, you got throw, Aloy uh, now. Aloy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just... I don't see that doing so well unless they copy that formula. Now, there have been some other Battle All-Star type games. Like, I think there's a Cartoon Network All-Stars battle game mm-hmm. that I heard was pretty decent. Um but yeah oh and then there was a mobile version of all stars as well apparently those released at some point that was did pretty poorly so yeah i mean i can see them doing it but i don't know maybe sony learned their lesson on the last one i think so what else we got ape escape ape escape is definitely a fun franchise that i think could use like a new game you know whenever i get the opportunity to i'm gonna buy all the ape escape games so we so we could play them like I had a lot of fun playing those when I was younger, and for some reason I just never bought them. Same with like Hot Shots Golf. I absolutely love those titles. I might have one Hot Shots Golf game. Ape Escape always stands out to me because it was like, it was the game that I spent an hour after I rented it being like, what is an L3 and an R3? <laughs> She's like looking, it was like, what do I do? Yeah, I definitely, I want to pick those up, especially the PS2 games too. And then last but not least, Jack and Daxter. Yeah. I mean, that whole franchise, well, not franchise, but um, all, all of that. Like Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, any of those games that came out. I think that was Naughty Dog, right, for Jack and Daxter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all of them need to be out on PS5. See, I don't think so. I think that, like, yes, Ratchet and Clank is getting a new game, but... Jack do... and Daxter deserves one, man. No, but, like... We're going, these are all like classic PS2 titles and some of them have transitioned and had some reboots and stuff. But like, why should we be stuck with the same characters all competing for our attention two console generations later, three console generations later? Like, bring some new light in. Like, Ukulele did tremendous as a new, uh, you know, IP. Like, there's lots of room out there for like, new things rather than just rehashing the old stuff like i get so tired of seeing the same old stuff and also it 
on some level, it kind of diminishes or, you know, stops people from maybe wanting to go back and try those older titles that, like, we still remember and still probably hold up pretty well. Like, if there's a brand new Jack and Daxter game, why would anybody want to go back and play any of the old ones? Like, well, give the old ones, like, the reverence that they deserve and bring some new blood in and, like, see what you can do. There's still more room out there to explore. Well, I mean, looking at you, Nintendo, with, you know, Mario <clears throat> That's having That's come different, out every John. single year and Metroid and Zelda regeneration. Yeah, but those are first party. Those so, are, like, Nintendo's the one that does that, like... Well, I mean, Ratchet Naughty Dog and... left all that stuff behind to like go out and branch out and make new things. Well, I think uh, Naughty Dog's Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank is Insomniac, so Insomniac is gonna be a first party game because they were purchased by Sony. Mm. So Ratchet and Clank is first party. Jack and Daxter, different scenario, but I mean, I don't know what the exclusivity or exclusivity rights are for Jack and Daxter. I mean, it's always just been on PlayStation. It was never released on other consoles, so. There's something there. Sony must own the IP and Naughty Dog just publishes it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's similar to Nintendo. It's similar to Microsoft. There's those staple characters that you know and love. I mean, we did just get a new Crash game, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, a new game. It wasn't a reboot. It was a new title. And so, if Jack and Daxter came out as a new game, it still holds reverence for those older titles. Because, say, it's a continuation. Say it's Jack and Daxter 4. Well, now I want to play Jack and Daxter 1 through 3. You know, like, how do I do that? Well, I have to play it on PlayStation 3. You wait for them to l- come out with a new HD bundle. <laughs> well, they probably would. That probably That's how you know those games are coming out with a new, new title oftentimes. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if a new Spyro game was coming out, you know, in the next year. Yeah. Like, just wouldn't I always wanted me. to see, like, a badass, like, Spyro's grown up and it's a bigger dragon. Like, teenage Spyro instead of little kid Spyro. Yeah, yeah, I would too. I always like, wondered that. Like the... Uh, <laughs> Give him a gun, like in Shadow. That would be so bad. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, let us know if there's any PlayStation 5 uh, titles you'd like to see uh, towards older generations of games, you know, old franchises that have kind of died out. And there's quite a few that I'd be interested in, in seeing uh, rebooted, and many of them are actually on that list. So, good list. Okay, the next thing here, and we'll probably keep this one super short, is uh, Amazon Japan has sold out of Xbox Series uh, X and S pre-orders for the second time. This is Andy Robinson at Video Game Chronicle. We've uh, mentioned the guys at VGC a couple times now. Um, so while many people are saying it's just Japan, not a big deal, and you know there's I want one another part to this as well that I'll mention. Uh, this is kind of a big deal because microsoft has always struggled in japan now one thing that you have to keep in mind is what was the allocation for this too like are we talking you know twenty thousand units that were sold out or are we talking like a million units that were sold out for uh you know pre-order so that's not really clear in this article and and they do you know note that for us but dude what's your thought on that do you see microsoft you know kind of getting there like really uh getting in with japanese fans and kind of branching out because right now it's always been kind of a usa or bust market for them i just think that uh game pass is an undeniable force like i think game pass is going to be like a huge huge success in this next generation and like the fact that you can buy the series s and get game pass and it's all going to cost you less than you know 
half the price of a PS5 in a game. Like, that, it's hard to stand up to, like, the amount of content that you get for such a low bar entry. And I know that the Series X, I mean, you're still saving money there and you're getting like even more power than what the ps5 is providing so i just think that their two approaches to the next gen are just way more successful than here's one that plays discs here's one that doesn't play discs they're exactly the same yeah i mean and i i wonder if playstation or, or sony will come out with something along the lines of a, a game pass with that's included right with the console for their playstation now I'd be interested, to, you know, interesting to see if they come out with something like that. Um, but you know, another thing here to note too is that Microsoft uh, recently, or what's his name, Phil Spencer, said mm -hmm. they have another announcement or something huge coming down the road. So it's Microsoft's just blowing it out of the water right now with this like pre-gen type of stuff that they've got going on. A lot of excitement going on with them, and I mean the fact that they're selling it on Japan. I don't know if they sold out previous generations of Japan on pre-orders, but I mean, if this is the second time it's happened now, then there's some positivity going into it for them out there. And and they do note as well that this is a marathon for them. So yeah, it's a it's a small battle that they're winning. Like it's looking good, but it's a it's a longer marathon that they've got to complete here to really kind of branch out into those different markets. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this battle goes down in Japan. So I just I, I hope that I could get one here. Right. Like, I'm ready. I I don't want to keep waiting forever. Like. I don't want to wait till like next summer to be able to start the next gen. We have so many scalper issues out here. It's it's crazy. Like the Fire Emblem Collector's Edition. Oh, that thing, new one that just not, was yeah, announced. Within like minutes, it sold out, and they're already on eBay. It's like it's all scalpers. That's all it is. And there's only two retailers that are I was carrying. Ask it right if now. you were going to get that. Well, I was. So I was going to look into getting it, but I'm not now. Cause... Well, it's interesting too because like that doesn't even come with like a physical game. Like it just comes no. with all that stuff and then a code for a six dollar game. Yeah, and it comes with a commemorative like clear version of the game or something like. That. Yeah. It's a pretty cool looking piece. It's got the art book and everything else. I was looking into it, but by the time I got online to pre-order, it was sold out at both retailers almost instantly. So screw scalpers. Um, all right. So our next thing, speaking of Nintendo, uh, so Michael Pachter says, uh, Nintendo should scrap switch and only have switch Lite, and, uh, that Nintendo isn't that smart. So this is by Ryan Craddock at Nintendo life. Ryan, we'll start it off with you on your thoughts on this one. So, um, actually right before I read this article for, you know, our episode today, I watched, uh, Follow this YouTuber, Spawnwave Media, or just Spawnwave. Uh, they do some great content. They give me a lot of good news throughout the week. I would definitely recommend following them. Give them a shout-out. Tell them that we exist. That might be fun. <laughs> but he had a graphic up that was from a like an internal Nintendo, like some type of meeting, uh, showing, actually, the breakdown of Nintendo users and or Switch users, and how they use their Switch. And about 30% of users uh, play, like, exclusively or would say that they only play in, like, a tabletop or handheld mode. Uh, it looks like 18 19%, somewhere under 20%, but just barely, play exclusively in the TV mode, which leaves 50% of people that 
use the switch as intended to switch. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that that statistic only includes like the original switch model. Like they're not counting the switch light as a part of that 30% of people who only play in handheld mode. Cause duh, but like this directly contradicts like his, you know, Pactor vision idea of it being 20% of people using the switch in both modes. Like obviously from Nintendo's own numbers, that's wrong. So whatever he's using to estimate is just kind of totally off base and not really on the mark. Like I understand that, you know, it may seem like a bad idea. It may seem like people aren't taking advantage of it, but it's the whole thing of the console. Like it's okay to even have them develop a TV only version. If they could make it cheap enough to where they could just get people, you know, as extra install base that maybe weren't even looking at it before. Maybe people that just don't like playing handhelds. Like there's definitely a large group of people out there that probably would buy a Nintendo console if it would hook up to their TV only mm -hmm. and give them some, you know, decent performance. And if you could get rid of having to have the screen on there at all and having to have an internal battery at all, I'm sure that you could cut out a lot of price and make a stronger, small plug into your TV version of it, you know, get rid of the joy cons entirely and just give them a controller. Like there's gotta be a way that you could make everybody happy here and still keep like the standard switch model for people that want the best of both worlds with a little bit of compromise. Well, the one thing that's mentioned on here is like, you know, give them a fire stick type of thing, right? Which I think I had mentioned a while back too. Like, you know, having that option would probably work. Like, you still, you well, still you'd need... have, they'd have to have a service set up for streaming, and we all know that Nintendo isn't strong with their online service. Well, no, I think what they mean by a fire stick is the ability to just have some sort of connectivity, like a Bluetooth connectivity from the device you have to the TV so you can play in that nature. And so it's just a quick, like, hey, I want this device to project on that TV, but then you lose the whole, like, docking ability, right? Like, the whole ability to... Doesn't it upgrade the graphics or something if you're playing in docked mode versus, like, handheld mode? I, I always forget that. I don't know. I think you might get some better stability, but I don't know that it actually, like, enhances... Because yeah, we had talked I, in a previous episode about the idea of, like, an enhanced dock yeah. that you could buy separately that would, like, have some extra beefiness in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I like the idea of, like, a Fire Stick type thing, and, of course, Nintendo does, because it's a peripheral they could sell for more money, branded Nintendo. But, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I think it's a stupid comment. Like, why would Nintendo switch fully on just a handheld model? Like, they they put the Switch Lite out there, in a way, to kind of be the successor to the 3DS, and the 2DS, and all of that. Yeah, and it's performed super well. Yeah, like, it's performing well, because you've closed out that handheld market what they really need to do is have a backwards compatible version of the switch Lite that plays 3ds ds games and switch games like if you have well that you couldn't play, do that because it only has one screen no no i don't mean at the same time oh i see what you're saying for the 3ds no but you could play uh oh yeah you're right because the 2ds oh well they all have two screens it was the whole gimmick yeah you're right <laughs> you're right that wouldn't work screw that people unless you had unless you do pactors fire stick and you've got your handheld and you've got the tv that would actually be pretty cool i guess what you could do is 
turn the switch sideways. That wouldn't work. And then pull the Joy-Cons off. Well, then that gets rid of the Switch Lite. It don't work like that. <laughs> no, I, I think his idea, like, if Nintendo went that route and had some sort of backwards compatible type thing or, like, an add-on screen or something to allow you to play uh, 3DS Well, if DS you had games, a way to project that second screen onto your TV... The main screen of the 3DS and have the actual... That'd be pretty badass, actually. Well, then you've got a Wii U, and we all know how successful that was. Well, yes and no. It would... <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. The Wii U was fun. Like, okay, like, seriously, if you go on various Nintendo No, pages, I know, it, it's a very hardcore Nintendo-loved like, thing, but it, is, it did not do well. It didn't do well because of the marketing component. The system itself was actually good. That's what's scary. Uh, no, I get you, like, it'd be a Wii U, but yeah, if there was some way to play 3DS, DS games so you can kind of bridge people over to get that Switch Lite and still play Switch games, that'd be pretty awesome. But, you know, it is what it is. I just think that the... Uh, I think his idea of making it, like... Like you said before, the purpose of a Switch is to be able to switch between yeah. TV and handheld mode. Well, and the arrogance to say that Nintendo is stupid when they're b- printing money like mad again. Like, they can't keep enough Nintendo product in stock yeah. anywhere. Like, who's he? He's totally off on the numbers that Nintendo already knows. He's saying that they're not making smart choices when they're selling everything that they can put out on the shelves. He's a, like, he's a washed up you analyst. You know, he's got... He's got a job as a projectionist and this is why you know that you don't always do you can't always get it right well he's supposed to be like a well-respected guy in the industry like apparently knows his stuff but i don't know i've definitely heard his name before i don't know a lot about him i feel like i should know more sounds like he's a little washed up nowadays yeah a lot of people like when i initially found this the comments and are like really are people still listening to him (sighs) so (laughs) so yeah like his numbers are wrong on this one and he's not in tune with what the audience wants and uh you know, Nintendo, give us that uh, give us that Fire Stick. I mean, that's the one thing he's got, so we can play those 3DS games. Yeah. All right. Uh, next thing we've got inflation deflation challenge. This week is Blue Stinger. It's on the Sega Dreamcast. Climax Graphics is a developer. It's published by Activision, which I found to be really weird. Uh, um, the worldwide release was developed by Activision. It was developed by or published by Activision. Published by Sega in Japan. Which is weird. Like, I don't know why Sega wouldn't publish the international release as well. I don't know. Financial reasons? I mean, if you think about it. I mean, that's what everything comes down to for businesses. Well, I mean, think about it being a Dreamcast game. Like, in 99. Like, that's financial reasons right there. Hmm. Uh, Who's it directed by? You're better with uh, these names than I am. Uh, Ayumu Kojima. Thank you. Uh, And this was released in September of 1999. It is an action survival horror game with reception all over the damn place. 4.25 to 8 out of 10. It's crazazy. Um, I can see it both ways as to where it would be great, where it would be bad. So uh, let's talk about it a little bit. What were your impressions in the little bit of time we played before technical difficulties? Yeah, so we ran into some trouble last week. We obviously tried to play this and we couldn't. And this week we tried to play this and we could a little bit. Uh, So... (laughs) <laughs> it's it's pretty wonky the graphics are definitely like those weird game or uh dreamcast graphics like i always remember the dreamcast looking good in pictures and stuff in magazines but there was always just something a little bit off when you compared it to like playstation games there was always like a little bit more of like a comical kind of cartoonish vibe to the dreamcast graphics which isn't a bad thing, but it definitely makes the characters look a little bit weird. 
in some of the scenes. Like the main character just has this like the hair. porcupine sitting on the front of his face yeah. for hair. Uh the uh his eyes are also kind of like buggy yeah the eyes are a little wonky the the dub is so terrible in this the dub is really bad uh, it sounds like you know a terrible old kung fu movie like when they talk it cannot be any more worse than shenmue all right like i see like also another dreamcast thing it was just a dreamcast feature yeah, back-of-the-box feature. Poor dub. Oh, my God. Go uh, on, now. Go on. I heard that there was a, a difference in the camera between the Japanese version and the worldwide release version. I didn't really have enough time to notice what was going on with the camera and enough to really care, so I can't really comment on that too much. But, anyways, the story starts off with, like, a really long but really decent... Uh, like CGI graphic showing like a meteor crashing into earth. Uh, the backstory of all that is like it created this dinosaur Island that also like wiped out like the Cretaceous period. Like it was the meteor that landed and killed all the dinosaurs and it created this Island, which is now known as dinosaur Island. And uh, your, what's the guys, Elliot G. I don't remember. Whatever. Something. Yeah. He's Ballot out on a boat something. with his friend. And then... His friend Tim. Don't forget Tim's Tim. name. And uh, another meteor strikes the island, and all of a sudden there's like a huge energy barrier that gets put up around the island and cuts well, your boat perfectly in half, and you and Tim are separated. It's not a meteor. It like it starts as a meteor It's of a some spirit sort, of it, a meteor. Well, and then it hits a satellite of some sort, and then a shard, of some metal shard comes down and like blows up and creates that like force field around everything and tim's like frozen yeah on the other side so you've got to go to the island and try to find help and good thing for you you're a vacationing emergency search and rescue kind of person uh you run around you've got and by run around, I've used that term very loosely because it does this weird stutter step whenever you're running it's like between each foot falling, you kind of, like, pause for, like, just the smallest amount of time. And it's not the character. It's not, like, your handling of the character. It's the characters in general. Because when a Dog, I think is his name, or yeah. Dogs, the other character comes into play, he's walking, and he does the exact same thing. And you're not controlling him. So. Yeah, the momentum just feels weird. Uh, the controls... We didn't really get that far, so we didn't get to see, like, everything the game has to offer. Well, but... we were able to fire weapons. We were able to fight. Yeah, um... it's got, like, a beat-em-up style, you know, one-button combo when you're unarmed to fight with. And then well, you do get, like, different guns and stuff in the game. And so I laugh so hard when he's like, I'm unarmed. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then he's there, like, roundhouse kicking with fire off his foot. I'm like, yeah. how? Like, why does being unarmed be an issue for you? Like, why is that a problem? Like, you could literally roundhouse kick with fire. So I think you're good, dude. We got, like, a look at a few different enemies. Uh, we didn't get to, like, any bosses or anything. And the enemy design seemed okay. Well, we got to a boss, but then the game crapped out on us. Well, we got to the, what seemed like a boss, oh, yeah, 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 and right, then right. Uh, the girl shot it down yeah. for us. We got a little bit stuck. I don't know what happens, and I'm really sorry, but, like, when we go back and play these old games, so often we run into, like, okay, we're, like, 
10 minutes in and it's like, all right, we don't know where to go now because we need some kind of key to move forward and it's not abundantly clear where that might be. Well, and like there's the uh, the silvery tone that comes off, right? For this one, whenever there's an item, we saw one specifically on the top area of like a building and there's no way to get to the top of that building that we saw. And, uh, you know, we scoured like every body leading up to that one area. It's like, how the hell do we get in this room? Like, yeah, you shouldn't have to backtrack so soon in a game. Like, if a game's asking you to backtrack in the first five minutes, like, yeah. Metroid doesn't even ask you that. No, not at all. <laughs> you got to go forward a little more than five minutes before you go back. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, I mean, we got enough out of it to be like, okay, cool. Like, I get the feel. I would probably play it again. It's easy to see why this game has mixed reviews, because it's definitely not the worst thing we've seen, but... And, like, it, graphically, it's really not that bad. I mean, yeah. it's... It actually does look pretty crisp and clean uh, that on a 4K TV, nonetheless. Like, if it was on a standard, you know, older TV, it'd probably look even better. Well, and I'm sure, like, even with the poor acting and, you know, the weirdness going on, it was intriguing in a way that I wanted to see more. Like, I bet three or four hours into this game, like, things get a little wacky and you've got, you know some more options of how to deal with things and how to approach stuff. And you've probably got like more, we were literally only on a straight track. Like we had no room to explore or go anywhere or really make choices. We were just kind of on a linear path and then the game crapped out on us. Yeah. And then we tried to restart and then the game crapped out on us. Like in even the same quicker. Place again. Well, yeah, but like just before that area too. So I don't know. Don't know what was up with that, but we'll get another copy and hopefully down the road we can replay this next one. Next year. <laughs> yeah, next year. Same day. Uh, all right. So brass tax on this man. We're looking at a complete box copies running at twenty five sixty nine. That peaked at thirty three dollars back in June of twenty twenty. So uh, it's trending downward actually. So it's good. Uh, and then a loose copy is sitting at nineteen eighty one loose. That is actually the current price point, which is I think that's my the current copy. Peak. That's I think my copy that I bought. And then uh, that's trending up. So, yeah, I mean... John is single-handedly manipulating the market no, by trying I'm not to people. replace this game. Well, I just returned it, so I don't know how that works. Um, you know, I can't really speak too much on the loose copy because I, I just spent that on a loose copy. Uh, so I guess that would, you know... Oh, did you pay the actual going rate? Yeah. I paid the $19.81. Or nineteen ninety-nine. so I paid a little over. So... For a complete box copy at $25, unfortunately, I'm not going to buy a complete box copy at that price point because I already have the I've box. already got everything, so I have to kind of go loose. So that's really the instance where this kind of comes into play. So I'll say I'll say it's about right. You know, it, I'm a little biased because I just bought it for that much. But, hmm. Okay, so I'm going to go based off that peak in June. $33 was not worth it. I would say complete in box sitting at $20 to 25 would be worth the value. You know, given it's a Dreamcast game, given it's a survival horror, it's not terrible in that, you know, it's not a bad game. It's it's a decent game. It's just got those weird wonky things going for it. So I think the overall premise, and it gathered enough of my attention while playing it, that I would be interested in proceeding in that game, provided it doesn't screw up. And I do remember playing it a bit when I was younger as well and enjoying it uh, as we progress in the game. So I would say right now it's probably priced just about right. 
It's not a bad price point. See, I'm going to beg to differ, John. I'm going to say that the ease of access in which you can actually play, like, I don't know why we didn't just burn a copy of this game and play it instead of you buying a new one. Well, because I don't have a copy to burn. You could just probably download it. Like, that was the thing with the Dreamcast. I don't don't have a disk drive. What? Yeah. Oh. Well, that explains it. Okay, I just think that uh, there's a lot better stuff you could spend your money on. I've recently gone on a new budget for myself, and I'm starting to relearn the value of a dollar. And I could not imagine this game being worth any more than like 10 bucks loose, 15 bucks complete in box. No way. We've played way better games. There's way more stuff worth your time out there than this. I can't imagine. Well, Ryan totally just told, inflated. Ryan just totally told me I, I paid an inflated price point. I'd probably agree. I gotta be biased, especially but with I would the agree. mixed reviews on this. Like, if you've got professional, you know, reviewers giving it anywhere between a four point two to an eight, you know, like I feel like that's a real generous yeah. eight. Yeah, probably a real generous eight. So if I find this game for fifteen bucks, I'll buy it. If I find it for twenty bucks, I'll still buy it. <laughs> Maybe like, what you do is take your broken version of the game with the box and sell that because you'll make more than just selling your broken copy and buy a new or a better complete in box version well i mean my complete box is pretty minty uh so i wouldn't want to just get rid of it i might just sell the broken disc on its own be like broken five bucks fund it towards the twenty dollars lower that down to 17 think we'll be good okay yeah uh well i don't think we know what we're gonna play next week uh oh no next week we are doing our uh, playstation 4 episode yeah so for everybody who's listened to our counting up to the playstation 5 release we've had the uh what do we call them starter packs so oh yeah the starter kit showdown yeah starter kit showdowns but uh well really collecting on a budget is what we've been calling them and we're going to be doing that again. So next week, uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll have PlayStation 4 is next up in a celebration of the PlayStation 5. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't do episodes on Xbox collecting because I just don't own a lot of Xbox games. Um, but so keep an eye on that. So what we're going to be doing is forecasting games that are going to be of value down the road. And this is obviously going to be pure speculation. Uh, but the idea here is kind of a similar format to what I've done over the years when collecting and that's collecting for the previous or for the current generation or outgoing generation and it's really just kind of looking at what's in the market what's a good price point and then of course thinking about is that value going to be there down the road and is it worth me buying it now at its reduced price or waiting it out and potentially having to pay more so we'll take a look at that uh as far as a game is concerned uh let me show you what i got ryan and i'm going to be playing this pretty soon i think this one's going to be a value oh yeah the blair witch yeah so i'll be playing out with my buddy when he comes into town but i think we could play it next week yeah and uh, give it a shot see how it starts out so this is actually a brand new copy of blair witch it came out back in 2019 uh for whatever reason a physical version i talked about last week but a physical version came out in 2019 really on like a global scale i guess and then they just released physical copies here in uh, North America this year. So, brand new game just came out, I think, last week. We'll give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. Sounds good. All right, cool. Now I'll actually continue our horror month. And I guess that would really end 
and Halloween month. So that works. Cool. All right. Well, uh, this has been episode 103 of the Game Inflators podcast. Of course, go ahead and find us on that social media at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators Instagram and Facebook, and on our podcast applications Podbean, Podcast Addict, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. wherever podcasts are found. And give us those six star reviews if you can. If not, we'll settle for five or even two five star reviews. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. 